This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Seth. I'm Misa. And we're going to talk about the Star Rover by Jack London, also known as The Jacket. It was published in the UK as The Jacket. Um, uh, I, I like the title Star Rover a lot more, but I think there's a lot more jacket than there's roving through stars <laughs> in this book. Um, yeah, I, like, guys... I like the Star Rover uh, too, but I always think of it as The Jacket. Yeah. In the, in the, the whole, my week of acquaintance with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the narrator of the audiobook, um, he, for some reason, he read a version called The Jacket. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe that was why, because he kept <laughs> saying The Jacket. Yeah, it's the cha- Jacket chapter. And I, I actually deleted that out of the audiobook um, because it, in the States it was called uh, The Star Rover. It's actually more commonly known as The Star Rover, but it is mostly about a guy in a jacket. So. Um, Except for a few minutes when he talks about roving in the stars. But I really like that. Yeah, and actually there's there's a little bit more than you might think because star roving is astral projection, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Now, today, people don't call it that because uh, mostly they don't project themselves through the stars. What they do is they project themselves around the room or around the hospital or down the street. How unimaginative of them. What's that? I said how unimaginative. Well, yeah, but I think I think that's the that's the problem I always point to when I think about how fiction is very limited. We never have real stories about mountains, you know. It's always about people. It can't really be about geologic stuff. There's no characters if there if there's no objects. But I, I think it would have been cool if if one of the uh, the past lives he has is actually an alien. <laughs> well, he he doesn't. He say something. He he goes back pretty far. He said, like he says, prehistoric. And I thought he was going to go to slime. Yeah, like, well, he, he does sort of back. hint about it. I mean, he's saying, you know, in the muck, right? Yeah, he does say muck. He he doesn't talk about being slimy, but he does say muck. Yeah. Um. Now, in the in this review, I pointed you guys to the old dead guy, old books by dead guys review. Um, this guy, he does something kind of cool. He points out that this book does have everything that Jack London was interested in. And he makes a list there. Um, he says, fans of London will enjoy this book because it's like a Frankenstein's monster of all his pet interests. And then he makes a list. Agricultural science, prison reform, evolution, seal hunting, prehistoric man, the supernatural, sailing, Korea, manifest destiny, and so on. Um, and if, if you guys both read uh, The Call of the Wild? Long time ago, if I read it. Seth? Uh-oh. Did we lose Seth? Oh, sorry, I was Seth. muted. Um, I read it a long Don't time ago. yourself, Seth. I know. You read it a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, as a uh, person who reads it more recently, I guess, or read it more recently, there's a sequence in that where Bach the main character, the dog mm. has a, uh, past life, um, sort of trance thing happen. And he imagines himself as sort of a more wild, wildy, wolfy sort of creature. Mm. I did read it. Now I remember now. <laughs> yeah. Beside a more troglodytic sort of, uh, uh, caveman dude. And he, he goes in and out of that every time he's sitting by the fire. Mm-hmm. And um, that that it shows that you know it's not like this is coming out of the blue. This sort of past life um, connection, be, you know, reincarnation sort of thing, racial memory sort of thing is yeah. all is all in there, and it's it's kind of interesting. Would you guys say this is a science fiction book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would have to. Yeah. Um, I do, yeah. I'm not. I'm, it doesn't feel like it though, does it? No, it you know what it, it kind of reminded me of um, you know a television series a flashback episode mm, like yeah it's, it's, it's all flashbacks yeah it's flash, yeah it's all flashbacks I think but, it, but it was there's one yeah, moment there's one moment that makes it science fiction and that is the moment when uh, he um, he travels briefly to um, see Jake Oppenheimer right um, his mm-hmm. fellow um, inmate, and he's like 
Jake's like, oh, this is all a bunch of bunch of hogwash, but I can't figure out why you how you knew my tooth was loose. It's only been loose for a couple of days. I think without that, you could easily just put this into uh, you know uh, some sort of modernist um, stream of consciousness, you know, first person narrative. But that yeah. that moment pushes it into science fiction. It's almost when, a little new age, <laughs> if you don't. Yeah. But you when don't he does talk it. about roving stars, that made it science fiction-y, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's that. And uh, the other thing where I think is pretty damn cool, I don't know, it's pretty science fiction-y uh, and pretty damn cool, is, is talking about the, the tapping code that they have between... Mm-hmm. Their cells, I guess, you know, 12 cells over, 12 cells down or whatever. Yeah. They knuckle wrap communication. He learns their language that way. And then he teaches uh, one of them chess. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just any uh, chess, he but got, uh, he, doesn't he teach them that Japanese version of chess that he learned from yeah, the Korean he, version of chess that he learned? Yeah. Chess subsequently. But for, yes, uh, first he teaches them regular chess. Mm-hmm. And then and he said, can you describe what a bishop looks like? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never having seen a chessboard. It's never pointy. having Yeah. 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 <laughs> but see, if it, you don't actually need that, right? No. When you're describing the the bishop, you don't you don't actually need to know what they look like. You just need to know their positions and and have a name for them. Right. Um when I whenever I show the uh the students chess um and I'm going through what all the pieces are called, I always say, Look, he's got a fish hat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it would be like teaching chess to a blind person. Mm. Yeah, presumably. Yeah, actually. That, that makes sense. Uh, but at least a blind person can touch them, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In the other room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's a point. Yeah, but usually there actually physically is a board. And then, um, what? I mean, that is a really cool sequence. And when he, he describes, you know, playing chess, he says, you know, I taught him, and, and now he beats me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was I love that. That was amazing. It's yeah. very Count Monte Cristo, uh, which I was making me think my sis was really going to like this part. <laughs> yeah, I actually did think about that. Did you? Yeah, I did. Um, it, it, that's a lot longer than this book. I assume the prison like, sequence yeah. is about the same length, though. <laughs> true. <laughs> is is yeah. that true? Yeah. I've not read the Count um, Monte Cristo. There's, all, there's so many things uh, I've read the you know the classic comics version, and I've read uh, Alfred Bester adaptation of it, but uh, no, I have not read the the full length. There's the so much. Feature. There's so much to talk about in this book, and uh, I I want to get to all of it. So uh, why don't you guys talk about something, and then I'll uh, I'll take I'll take the reins back over again. <laughs> um, one I have a story related to this book. Um. The, um, his whole, um, Jesus, um, Middle East experience, mm-hmm. um, I had something, I, I lived in Israel as a kid, um, cause my dad taught at Tel Aviv University. And so we, we traveled to, you know, we traveled to a lot of these sites. It was in the early eighties before things got dangerous. So we were able to go to Bethlehem and, and things like that. And, and this was a story my parents told me, I don't remember this happening, but Apparently we went to Bethlehem and, um, you know, it's essentially like a monastery and, and apparently I walked in there and like, Oh, I've been here before. And I start talking to the monks and stuff. So I, I, I said, I don't re- recall any of this and I don't ascribe any meaning to it, but it's just, it, it reminded me of that. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's exactly cool. what's going on in, in, I mean, that's the way he starts the book, right? Is yeah. he starts talking about how as children, we, uh, we are not, fixed mm-hmm. uh we're much more connected and all that sequence with the <laughs> what's funny is there's a there's a past life past life thing going on right with that jesse kid remember yeah, yeah. they show yeah. photographs or something mm-hmm. uh, yeah. his first the first time he talks about past life was a kid looking at a picture yeah mm-hmm. but but he was in a past life when he was when yeah. he was uh, oh wait is that no 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 that's not yeah that's he's talking about his own his own past lives as a child, right? yeah. he was talking. The first time he was talking about a past life, he's looking at the picture of of a, a monk or a priest, and he said, "That's Samaria." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't remember. Was that when he was? Uh, that wasn't when he was Jesse, the Mormon. No, no, that was no, no. Jesse's story. 
Right. It was yeah. actually a reference to the Jesus story, um, right. but before he had, before we got into it. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he does a very good setup in getting us to accept the the premise. I, I don't think that reincarnation is possible. Um, and so I, you know, I'm pretty skeptical about mm-hmm. this being sort of very sciencey, but. Um, I, I fall on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that. And I wanted to find out what, what you thought about it. So you think reincarnation is, uh, is plausible in some way? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I think of it as sort of in like a, I, I didn't realize that me and Plato were sort of on the same page, yeah. but, but um, I have read that he thought of reincarnation in terms of like, just looking at life in general, the cyclical nature, nature of life, you know, like everything comes back, everything just turns. It's, it doesn't change. It just, um, you know, reappears in, in, in another form. And, and that's how I always thought of it too. I always thought it was, just too too limiting to think i thought it was not fair absolutely right it's not fair fair. so it's just too unfair for some for some people to have such a a wonderful experience and some people to have like the worst Mm -hmm. it only becomes everybody gets everything that's a very karmic look at how you know trying to justify all the universal suffering that's happening right right yeah that yeah I just, it's just, I just can't stand the thought of it being so lopsided life. Well, there's, there's something uh, you, you, you are talking. You know, Plato does have this idea of of people being um, uh, his 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 theory of why we uh, can learn things is really, I mean, it's it's crazy, <laughs> but it's fun. And that basically is that um, the trauma of birth makes you forget all of the knowledge that you know when you're in the land of the forms. Yeah. Um, and and when you are re-exposed to those things in life, like, for example, you see a car driving down the street, you say, oh, car, of course. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. And uh, I remember in university when we were talking about this, I, I was trying to get a handle on it. I'm talking with the professor. Um, I was saying, so... Uh, does that mean like because uh, you're you're talking about a chair, right? And chairs come in all different sh- shapes and sizes. And I, uh, so like, uh, is every kind of chair in there, in you know the land of the farms? And he said, well, yeah, it could be. I said, so if there's a car, there it's like there's a Dodge Dart in the land of the farms, <laughs> <laughs> not just a car. It's like very specific model, you know, with the with the uh, du- dual overhead cams and all that, you know. Well, assuming there's a multiverse, it's somewhere. Right. I guess, yeah. Well, but um, that that it's sort of, you know, I, I think there's something to uh, language acquisition being, you know, uh, built in, mm-hmm. but there isn't actual language built in. This uh, the part where he's he he uses this sort of as a dodge to explain why he he can no longer speak Korean or something, right? Right. Um, but on the other hand, he also uses it as a uh, an excuse when he is in the land of Korea to why he learned the language so fast. Mm-hmm. He, the, the Korean uh, emperor accepts this explanation, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But he, he had, when he's speaking French, he didn't even realize when he was the French guy. Right. He didn't even realize he was speaking French until it was in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're we're. Our skepticism is moderated by, uh, I guess, Oppenheimer. That's the the skeptic of the yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Morrell, uh, you guys both know, is a real per- was a real person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and prison reformer, and he was the guy who sort of inspired the book. A lot of what's going on in this book is is exactly uh, inspired by him. Yeah. But, like the jacket, con- like that whole jacket thing? The jacket, the whole jacket thing, but also the astral projection thing. Um, he talked about that having happened. Now, not so much, it doesn't seem so much about it being um, uh, past lives, mm-hmm. but it is a lot of, you know, I was floating around the rooms, you know? Yeah. So that mirrors the book then? Uh, well, yeah. The, because in the book, it doesn't, doesn't leave like he only is within this current life as well. He uh, Ed, Ed Morrell, yeah, he makes a comment that well, yeah, that 
the other they taught him the um the the little death trick um but when when they did it they stayed you know in their own in their own skins or in their own cells right. Yeah, so it's it's Jack London taking it a little farther. <laughs> I always um, little death always because uh, the French word for orgasm sure. is petit mort. So I always when I'd see it, which means little death. So I I always had to kind of did a double take when I saw it when um, you'd say little death. I'd have to think, oh yeah, okay, it's Seth likes being laced up is what, what you're saying. <laughs> wow, whoa, that's that's a big jump. <laughs> Well, he did keep wanting to get back into that jacket. It's true. But uh, I think that sequence with him fighting the the uh, warden is very it's it's like the this you know, you you think you're going to break me, I'll break you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a very powerful and I think it goes to the the power of the relationship between those two desperately lonely and isolated, you know, people mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know i don't know that the you know the teaching of chess over the, those taps actually happened but i and i can tell you is i believe that it could because yeah. human minds are amazing things especially mm-hmm. when they are forced to um and they given enough time they, they are they are able to do amazing amazing things um, so that I totally buy into that. You know, what's interesting is that it's not just Ed Morrell who's a real person. A lot of these characters are real people um, now or mythological people. So uh, Ragnar Lodbrok, mm-hmm. you guys rem- remember him? Oh, He's yeah. the, the uh, Scandinavian guy who ends up in Israel yeah. or yeah. I guess what would it be? Nord- yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Like he was a Thor guy. Yeah. <laughs> Scandinavian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he is actually a Viking myth- mythological figure. Um, yeah. And there's a TV show about that character on right now called Vikings. Yeah. And, um, the thing is, is that show is set, I guess, around 900 uh, AD. <laughs> so we've yeah. got a 900 year gap. Yeah. But, yeah. But it is, he is a totally mythological figure. In the like, there's we don't have a birth date and a death date for him, mm-hmm. um, and he seems to have done some amazingly uh, Viking esque uh, saga, saga sort of stuff. So it, it sort of fits that he could have been, you know, nine hundred years off. Yeah, there's some anachronisms <laughs> in that part. Like he talks about, I've actually I've actually read some old Norse literature, and he you know he talks about. Um, so he mentions a character um, in one of the poems that he's references named Atli. Well, that's the uh, a Scandinavian rendition of Attila. So, you know, right. Attila hadn't been there for, <laughs> wouldn't show up for another 400 years. So, yeah, there's, right. I don't think London really did his homework in a lot of the, a lot of what, the. Would you saying that past life wasn't real? Oh my God. I know, I know, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the things he's describing are, um, are pertinent to Scandinavia of maybe the 6th or 7th century, and I don't yeah. know that they were necessarily around. He probably should have separated that that out a little bit, um, because it, it there there is a um, a number of, but but like for example the guy who's in Korea mm-hmm. that that is a true story. Um, you know we don't get it from that point of view in the history, but that that is not a made up thing. Mm-hmm. The for example Yi Sun Shin is mentioned uh, very briefly. Um, which tells us basically when this story is happening. And he was like a, he's like major superhero in Korean history. Mm. He's like, uh, he built some things called the turtle ships that helped defend Korea from an invasion. And um, it's like, it's, it's very accurate um, in the Korean perspective, at least um, as it's almost like a Korean uh, story is very, um, it has a Korean attitude. That that whole that the fact that he's actually referencing real people and mythological people kind of makes sense in the overriding theme of the thing because he said he he practically calls himself every man like my mm-hmm. life is every man's life. So he's he's taking these lives that he attributes to his past lives sort of as a blanket to all of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. In fact, yeah. That. The, so one of the reasons I figured out that reincarnation didn't make any sense okay. when I was young was that I thought, okay, well, if that's true, you know, like 
there's two crazy people in the insane asylum, and one thinks he's Napoleon, the other one thinks he's Napoleon. Um, maybe one was, but they both can't be <laughs> because um, unless what what happens? Do souls like split apart, and you know, like you make copies so that they can go out? Because if you do a calculation just on the back of an envelope, and you say, you know, how many people are, were alive a uh, thousand years ago, and then you go backwards, there's there's going to be more quote unquote new souls uh than there are old souls by a huge margin mm-hmm. um, so like uh if I was Napoleon and I had another past life and another past life and another past life, you would have none because I would have taken up the majority <laughs> of you can't be such a hog. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and you know Daryl Standing has at least uh six or seven right. Uh, hints, are, at, hints at a lot more, yeah. Yeah, hints yeah, at a lot more. And and then uh, when he starts talking about women in chapter, what is it, 20, 20 or yeah, 21? 22, yeah, 21, 22, yeah. Yeah, he, he basically says that they're all the same. Uh, his girlfriend in all of these is the same soul. He does kind of say that. It became like a, it became like a poem, like an old Oh, yeah, it's totally. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also... His reincarnation. But I wasn't sure if it was more metaphorical. I mean, I think that it was. It was hard to tell whether he whether he was being poetic there or actually referencing them all as the same one. Yeah, well, he can also just be. You know, the character can just be unreliable. <laughs> you know, his, his claims on, yeah, his claims on on uh, what's actually happening. Yeah, is is it revelation or is it you know deduction? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's um, interesting. Yeah, he does have it more than one way. Sorry, Seth, you go. Oh no, it's it's interesting that um, that his reincarnations. You know, Misa was saying that um, the nice thing about reincarnations is it potentially balances things out, but it doesn't seem to balance things out for him. I mean, he always seems to come back as you know, not necessarily noble or upper crust, but certainly there's a. He he remarked near the end that like well, it'd be nice to come back as a farmer for a change and just you know. Have a yeah. have a farm and and till the crops and 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 take tend to the goats and so there's there's a sense that his reincarnation there's something um, charmed or cursed about it either one um, which kind of leads me to to this um, idea of the red wrath that seems to link all of his <clears throat> all of his characters and I don't know what you guys thought about that yeah he didn't he say something about there were the be, prior to people, there were emotions or feelings. And then we inhabit it. Like, so then there's somebody that has a pity, like a, you know, a, a, a terrible, I don't know, like he has rats. So I mean, somebody's going around from happiness to happiness to happiness mm-hmm. going around with, you know, whatever. Well, if you try and like iron it out and make it make sense, um, I think there's you start seeing these errors, but one of the one of the things would be so I I was, still as a kid I was trying to figure out is this reincarnation stuff make any sense right I explained how it, it doesn't it's not fair if if most people have fifteen past lives and that guy has none um, because that you know I want to be somebody famous from history right <laughs> sort of thing but the but the thing is is um, you could also look at it another way, and he actually does that very briefly, especially when he's talking about women. Um, and that is, he's all of the people. We, there's, <laughs> see, instead of saying, we're trying to understand the universe, and we look at it and we say, well, this is not fair, so let's posit a theory. Maybe maybe the justice comes in a more broader, you know, mm-hmm. cosmic scope. But then um, if you say, you know, there's only... Uh, a fewer number of souls, right, that are splashing around the universe, inhabiting bodies for a while, and then going and ex, you know, leaving them. Um, then you you trying to say cosmically, is there a balance, right? Well, animals obviously are not getting the same uh, level of. He, he does talk about animals, but they're not getting the same level of soul activity as we mm-hmm. are. <laughs> what about trees? For that dog in Call of the Wild. That's right. What about the dog, right? Yeah. What about trees? What about slugs, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we start looking at it that way. Here's one way to get out of that. You say, well, there is only one soul, right? Yeah, and that's right. And if there's only one soul, then 
that human uh, back then that was Napoleon. Oh, yeah, that was me. And it was you, too. Mm-hmm. And it will be again. Or, it, 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 you know, the, all future and past souls are outside of time. And, you know, that's, that's, right. that's if, everything, if, right? Yeah. If time is a single thing <laughs> and there is no past or present. That's right. Or future. It's all one happening right. at once. But it's that also means then that he's torturing himself. <laughs> well, aren't we all? Oh, <laughs> oh right. Um, well, I've, well, been reading, uh, um, I've been reading Lucretius, yeah. or not, I haven't been reading, I read a book about Lucretius, who's this uh, Roman philosopher, Epicurean philosopher, um, and I was just reading a book about how he was rediscovered in the Renaissance, but anyway, um, his, his whole philosophy is that, and it's remarkably perceptive for 2,000 years ago, that is that we're all just stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're made of the yeah, stuff of stars, um, and that there's some sort of, he calls it a swerve. Um, in fact, that's the title of the book I was reading, um, mm-hmm. that somehow imbues the stuff with, with a soul or life and doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite get to the bottom of what it is. But now at the end of the day, um, Lucretius was writing, um, the gods, the Roman Greco Roman gods were already sort of falling out of favor, but there are still a lot of superstitions and he was basically saying hey, none of this stuff matters it's it's we're all just stuff you know the thunderstorm does not mean that that you didn't sacrifice enough at the temple you're you're good just um enjoy life and, and be a good person how very current modern yeah, yeah. That that uh, those documents are very interesting. Being recovered from um, there's a, a library in in uh, Pompeii that yes that has like these scrolls that mm-hmm. have been completely carbonized. Yeah, really. And what they're doing is they're peeling back layer by layer of the on the scrolls, trying to piece together what the documents are in books and that's where the majority of the, uh, it, it was like a school for um uh what are these guys called epicureans right yeah oh, yeah sounds fascinating imagine being there oh I and know. they had a garden too <laughs> well it's sad that I mean, the book i'm reading or read talks about that and apparently the guys in the 18th century who found them you know, at first they they sort of thought they were just briquettes, and you know they were cold. Yeah, they so used they just, for fuel. <laughs> it's so sad <laughs> to think of how many countless uh, great works oh, of literature okay. used to warm up someone's hands and you know heat a pot of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, speaking of which, the um, the, there's another way to read this book, and I I think that that's much more up my alley. I'm. I'm more on on the Epicurean side of things. I don't think souls exist. I, I love thinking about ghosts and stuff, but that's just for fun. <laughs> you know, it's like they're cool, but <laughs> they're totally bogus. But um, <laughs> Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus journey, <laughs> totally bogus. But what I do like about uh, this book, and I think it is true, is that uh, the alternate take on uh, you know explaining. Uh, how a man could have such memories, right? Well, just look at Jack London's life. It, the reason he uh, is able to write this story is in his 40 years on the Earth orbiting the star, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years around the star, um, he managed to pack in a whole lot of life. Did he only live 40 years? Yeah. Yeah, he was like, died 40-something. Yeah, 41 right something. around 40, yeah. Um, wow. So... He, you know, he was a oyster pirate, which doesn't sound like, uh, you know, but an oyster pirate. He's an oyster pirate. He was also in the fish police, which is the opposite of the oyster pirates. <laughs> um, he was a miner, right? He was uh, a sailor. He was a reporter. Um, he was a writer, obviously, but he was also like a, a prison reformer, a, a socialist, right? He was tons of things. And, the vast, um, you know, length of his experiences is not the only way he experienced the universe. He also experienced it through books, which is mm-hmm. what this is. And if you look at those stories, it's like when we finish this book, we feel, I felt anyways, I felt, wow, this is a really powerful book. I'm not sure how well it holds together as a traditional novel, but as a meta novel about reading it's yeah. really great because look at how many lives we got to live while we read this book mm-hmm. yeah 
right? I mean, that all those experiences of being shipwrecked on an Antarctic island, right? Being a pre prehistoric, uh, you know, caveman. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> inventing, yeah. inventing the bow and then agriculture. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, being a, 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 Ro- a Roman centurion and a Viking, and uh, being all of these, um, these he's 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 also like he's a Egyptian nameless monk or something oh, as well. Briefly, yeah, that never or got picked up again. Something I don't know, a Coptic monk. Yeah, or something. that never got picked up again. I was I was looking forward to more of that. All of those experiences are packed into this one short little book. Yeah. That feels like, I mean, uh, if you if you read long enough and you wait long enough, it, you can't tell whether you did something or you read about it. Well, that's um, what Jake Oppenheimer kept saying. It's like, oh, you just read that in a book somewhere. You, that's you don't right. remember. <laughs> but see, I don't think just is the right word to d- describe it. Right? right. You read that in a book somewhere. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is what I would say. I agree. Did Did you notice how often the number forty came up uh, in that book? Oh, but it's a very it's, biblical number. Mm-hmm. It's a very biblical number. The, the The first time he said, the first time I noticed it, he said there were forty thieves trying to do the escape plot. Uh, oh. And when 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 he said forty thieves, I immediately thought of um, Alibaba. Alibaba, and then the <laughs> whole then the whole book started feeling like. Um, like you know, Shahrazad. Uh, yeah, she do- tells a thousand, a thousand and one nights to the uh, whoever he was, mm-hmm. the Sheikh or whatever, and it, it, that's sort of what it felt like. He was all those lives were like the stories going. Yeah, you know. Absolutely, that's nice. Uh, yeah. the, the the thing that I noticed that recurs again and again, other than him saying, "I am Daryl," I Daryl Standing. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he does that every chapter when he comes oh, out of it. <laughs> jacket because he's like who am i again oh yeah daryl sten that's right um the thing that i notice is that there's a very subversive reading of the book that's very present which is he's totally hallucinating everything Mm. um and the evidence for that is everywhere uh so for example um notice the number of incidents where uh some people are getting pinched or crushed or squeezed so remember there's a shipwreck Oh right! What happens? Two icebergs come crushing together, and yeah. he looks back, and it it, it experiences that. Um, there's uh, another torture sequence where somebody is is uh, crushed or squeezed, right? Um, th- th- that happens again and again. But also, it's it's like um, the the water. He's being given water, and uh, that's uh, like the warden trying to give him water, right? Mm-hmm. He's rejecting it, and it's uh, there's there's a whole bunch like that. There's um the starvation in Korea, right? Yeah, he's 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 for forty years. You're right. There it is again, Misa. <laughs> right, forty years he suffers in Korea, and uh, he is starved. They're eating like he's he said he's gleaning the streets for you know grains of rice. Yeah, yeah, rotten dog flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh, and rotten kimchi too. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know? Did you know, guys, that uh, Jack London wrote a book about surfing? <laughs> no. Yeah, he was really into it. Interesting. He went to Hawaii. That's one of the things that's not in here. But um, I think that uh, the, think of also like the the seal hunter guy. Yeah. Uh, the Shrek seal hunter guy. Hence my PETA uh, comment and- on Twitter. Yeah, well, but oh, yeah. That's, that's a true story. There was a, apparently, there was a guy named Daniel Foss who did, uh, was shipwrecked in an Antarctic island, did all that, and did even carve on the ore. Hmm. Really? Yeah. It's very hard to track down because um, whenever you do searches, it comes, this book comes up. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you guys notice either, but the Goodreads um, for this is huge. Oh, wow. And almost all of the reviews are are foreign. They're like Italian or Spanish or something. I, I was re- I heard something on CBC um, earlier. I think it might have been today. And okay. some guy was following. Uh, he was rating things on Wikipedia, and he said um, the more languages that like he was actually talking about celebrities, and he said the more languages uh, somebody is referenced in. Um, 
the actual higher their ranking is uh, on, you know, fame. So like if, if this is mentioned in a whole bunch of different languages, that sort of takes it up to the top. Yeah. Well, uh, up to the top in, in fame. Yeah, I think I heard a preview of that guy going to be on. Yeah. What, what show was that? I um, don't remember. Female host. Okay. 50-50 might have been. Was it yesterday? <laughs> uh, yeah, yesterday. Okay, I'll look it up. Um, what, what, notice the number of times that um, grain comes up. Yeah. Right? The professor of agronomy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, he, not only does the professor of agronomy, um, uh, you know, talk about grain in Korea, he also talks about inventing agronomy, right? Agriculture, yeah, pretty yeah, much. He, yeah. yeah. Or, he invents everything. <laughs> they, he invent. They invented. He invented riding a horse too. That, that's true. That's true. Uh, but then I think it's just it's interesting. Like if if you wanted to read it, not as you know, these are things really happening. But these are things he's remembering. These are things that he's, uh, you know, hallucinating mm-hmm. because that's the much more reasonable way to explain it. Um, then you can totally buy into that just by looking at the number of, of things that, you know, come up again and again. Well, it was it, like that part was sort of like um, he was the, the whole thing is like the evolution of the human race through the book. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he, he specifically talks about it. He talks about being in the womb and 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 a, a fetus evolving through the stages of evolution. Then he does it again as um, humanity through. Yeah, through the experiences it's very of- subtle though because he's saying that humans, the human soul, doesn't change. What changes is the culture. Like there's moral, moral, mm-hmm. cultural improvement, but there isn't. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, human human improvement. So if you took a person from caveman days and you put him into a modern culture, raised him up, he would have the values of the of the culture around him. So is what I'm thinking he's trying to say. It's yeah. a little bit unclear. But. Yeah, he does say that, and he ties it into the whole prison reform thing too. You know, mm-hmm. you know two thousand years after Christ, we're about to hang a man. Gosh, there's so many powerful scenes around that um, through reporters Absolutely. at the end, and you know they're. He feels sorry. He feels sorrier for them than he does for himself. Yeah. Did you Did you notice the line? He said something about very few men or women have suffered years in a jacket. That was my good fortune. And, right. and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Ed Morrell, um, you know, he had those things happening to him, and uh, he was the advocate for prison reform. Right. He was the guy who was going around lecturing, and he actually did make those changes. Like he got a lot of things changed um if you if you read his story on wikipedia um there's no photograph of him there's a sketch of him on another website um but he he did make a huge impact um after london died uh he made a huge impact on changing these sort of terrible practices of torturing prisoners um, and the thing is, is that all that, all that sequence about the dynamite, that is totally from Ed Morrell's story. He was accused of being, uh, of hiding, uh, guns in the prison. Dynamite or curtains. Right. Dynamite or curtains. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it also reminds you of, you know, things like Guantanamo Bay. Like if you are torturing people to try and get them to confess to things that they actually had no involvement in you cannot you know you cannot make them give you information that's not there right but then i was thinking uh well maybe they he could astrally project <laughs> you know find out where some real bad guys are yeah give, give them the give police them that way. give them something um and th- i think that there's there's some value in watching the movie uh, after you've read the book, a lot of people didn't like the movie. A lot of people thought it was fabulous. I, I was sort of thinking it's a good movie. That, I'm talking about the 2005 movie starring Adrian Brody called The Jacket. Um, it's 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 got some value, especially if you watch uh, read the book first, um, mm-hmm. because it it does something different. It's much more modest in its um, scope, and it's more about time travel than anything else. Did you watch it, Misa? I did. I, I liked it. It was it was sort of like um, opposite world of the book, though. Yeah, it is kind of right. 
because it's set in the well, I guess 1992 and and 2007. Um, if it, if movies from 2005, so it was a little bit set in the future, but it doesn't feel like a science fiction movie as much as something else. Uh, but it's got he uses information from the future to affect the past. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he oh, escapes. He only went forward, as opposed to only. Yeah, went... he only goes forward. Interesting. Um, but, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's mixed up it, because it it has he he's brain damaged or something. He's got some brain trauma, and there's a sort of a unresolved thread about a, a murder um, that if you don't think too hard about, you might not notice. But yeah, like. There's a murderer who just got away with something, but uh, I think I think it's worth watching. It's 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 um it it complements the book somehow. It's much more modest than yeah. the book's scope. There was also a 1923 or 1920 movie version, but it Silent apparently film, has, yeah. yeah has been completely lost. But it did you know it had it kept the character Daryl Standing name and. Um, the other thing that I thought was funny about the movie, Mice, I don't know if you noticed, the the main character's name was Jax. Yeah. Um, and then there was a girl named Jackie. <laughs> and of oh, course he's, now you know what? No, I didn't. <laughs> and of course, he's he's in a jacket. <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, it's written by the a guy named Jack London. <laughs> Jack. So Jack, Jack, Jack. Um, um, it's not exactly... Uh, <laughs> You know, over the top, brilliant in that respect, but it was cute. I, I thought it was cute. A nice homage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it's funny though. There, there is no credit to. I was looking. Oh, I was no. waiting. There was nothing. No, they. There's no hint that Jack London had mm-hmm. anything to do with this with the plot, That's and I, I kind of see why because it it is so disconnected from. Uh, it is kind of like an inverted, much smaller version of this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was interested to see how they would do the jacket. Yeah. Um, it didn't look tight enough to me. So like Daryl. Well, all the sequences with yeah, him, like, you know, them stepping on him and pulling and then trying to. Yeah, they needed that fingers. guy, the prisoner, to step on him, the one that went to get out and see his girlfriend. That's right. <laughs> wow. Definitely need more. Need but I did, I did like yeah. the. Um, uh, putting him in a morgue book drawer. That was that was creepy and and uh, updated. Yeah, I, I, the more you think about the movie, the less it makes sense. Though, I mean, why is that? Why is the uh, treatment? What are they trying to treat him for? Exactly, <laughs> it's not at all clear. It, it was some fantasy for that crazy doctor. I think. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it it, it 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 it's not really worth thinking too hard about. However, um, I, I think the Star Rover is worth thinking about. There's a lot uh, going on. And the experience is very impressive. I, I mean, we read, do all three of us read uh, the Iron Heel? Seth, were you there? Uh, no, I missed that. Oh, okay. Um, I, I like this even more than the Iron Heel. What did you think, Misa? I liked it. I liked it. It, it certainly uh, flowed easier. It was a much easier read than the Iron Heel. Oh, yeah. Heel. And I did like it. I, I love the ideas in the Iron Heel because of my let's try and make everybody equal. <laughs> let's all get along. <laughs> let's, all, let's all have things fair and nice. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Let's be fair. But this one, this one was way more swashbuckling fun. Mm-hmm. I, given that the guys completely buckled in and right, not, not swashing at all, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty good stuff. Um, I was uh, I was recently um, traveling and uh, and in the airport I bought a, the most recent New Yorker from March seventeenth mm. and in it there's a story called the Relive Box by a guy named Orga Woman I don't know named T Corrigan Boyle and uh, in this box it's set I guess it's in the future because we don't have it um, so the, there's this box that people can buy now. And uh, and you set it up, and it looks into your retinas, and you tell this box, um, July seventh, nineteen eighty two, twelve forty one, and it takes and it it takes you there. So you relive that exact moment. Um, are you getting this reverb? No. Oh, so you relive that moment 
uh, like that time in your life. And, um, and it's about the, like the, these characters that get stuck in the, re- like everybody in the world is, is getting these relive boxes and they're getting stuck because they just don't want to leave their past. Mm. And it totally was like um, a compliment to this book mm. because it was this, it was the same thing. Like, you know, like he, he's stuck in his jacket reliving past lives and, and the characters in the story are, they, they, the guy gets a big pot so that he doesn't have to go to the bathroom so he can just stay there relive his life over it like you know go from section to section and rewind and replay moment by moment um with him with this with this box hmm. there's a there's a movie that i think is really fabulous and almost nobody likes or has seen uh called until the end of the world it's a vim vendors movie done in english mostly uh, very very long. There's a couple of versions of it. it. Was you know one that's four hours long or something, um, and it's a science fiction movie set uh, in the futuristic time of 1999. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I know. Um, but they've you know they've got a little bit of futuristic cars and that sort of thing. But there's there's a whole background going on to it. But the the um, the thing that everybody's chasing is a um, machine that can let you relive your dreams hmm. or oh, dream. record your dreams. And mm-hmm. when the people get obsessed, uh, when the people get these and they start looking at their dreams, nobody else's dream is interesting to anyone else, but you're <laughs> obsessed with your own dreams. How very true. <laughs> and it is true. But also think about, uh, you know, Daryl Standing learns to sleep. Right, he he learns to train himself to sleep when he's locked up in solitary confinement. When he's mm-hmm. not in the jacket, he has to. He's cultivated sleep. He's learned to sleep. He's he's uh, figured out how to sleep. You know, eighteen hours a day, because if you don't, you go crazy. Right, mm-hmm. you, you're just bored out of your mind and and afraid and thoughts whirling around and around and around. Yeah. Um, uh, when I, I understand that when people are depressed, sleep is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, it lets you escape from that. Um, well, in the jacket, um, it's like he's, while he's wearing the jacket, it's like he's, um, it's like he's cultivating his sleep. Um, and re- I, I wasn't sure, but was it the case that he was communicating immediately after his jacket experiences? Or was he communicating during his jacket experiences? I think it was the after. Others. At yeah. first it was during, yeah, but then he lost the ability to, to do it during. Oh, with the others, yeah. Yeah, so like he's knuckle-tapping, right? He's mm-hmm. he's sending his messages out to his two buddies um, and, and then describing his experiences. Uh, some t- at some points they'd ask him questions and he said, I-, I can't remember that, right? I wasn't focused on that or whatever, and... And so they, you know, the one, the Oppenheimer doesn't believe him. He, he wants, you know, I want you to go down to this deli <laughs> and find out what the name of the new owner is or whatever. That, that uh, experience, you know, to test it out is there. But I think there's something about, you know, just if you do write down your dreams immediately after you wake up and if you cultivate this as an experience, you can get quite detailed into it. But the memory fades very quickly it's it's uh, i want to say designed not to be remembered mm-hmm. and so that you really do have to get it down and, and well, didn't he tap his experiences to them that's what i'm I, thinking is that, that that's how he gets the detail i think so because because uh oppenheimer was saying well tell me you know like get, tell me more tell me more mm-hmm. so he was giving it to them but but he couldn't talk to them in the jacket because when they tapped to him, they woke him up. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Then later on, later on, right? We're reading this. These, these are the 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 premise of the novels that these documents have been yeah smuggled out, right? Mm-hmm. So he's written down all these memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so either they're recalling them back to him, yeah. or he remembers them fairly well. Well, maybe after after t- uh, tapping them out to his his prison mates, that sort of solidified, and then he really has nothing to do except re- rethink them. Yeah. That's right. Well, the other interesting That's thing right. too is he says at one point that 
he's kind of prettied up and put them into um, single little chunks. But he says, I revisited these lives many times and mm-hmm. in yeah. different yeah. different times of them. And um, particularly the thing with Jesse, like he he starts with the with one place in in um, the central U.S. and then they end up in Utah, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, there uh, were forty characters. That, but, oh, <laughs> yeah. By the way, that 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 was a true thing as well. There was a a massacre or something that that was uh, that is a historical event. So I, I don't know that the character Jesse was a real person, but mm. I do know that you know, like Jack London loves history. Um, he loves mythology. He loves all that stuff. He's he's putting the stuff in be- not because he's making it up, but because he thinks it's cool. So yeah. a lot of people criticize this book as being sort of a collection of short stories that are unconnected, except by this sort of weak. Um, it's it's they think of it like as a fix up or something, mm. right? You know, where you take a whole bunch of sh- separate short stories and put them all together. But I, th- I I see I see why they would think that, but. Um, I think as a novel, it's actually quite good because it has this push mm-hmm. uh, of, of you know, I'm going to be ha- hung. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's got this situation where, you know, somebody is completely isolated. Yeah. Right. And this is a reaction to that. And and that makes me think that the, it totally works, even though. Yeah, it, it it could be argued that it, it reads like a collection of jumbled short stories that you know just show off Jack London's, London's interest. But when you get to that chapter where he starts talking about uh, women and uh, the how women are so important to men, and oh, <laughs> his man. his sexism is probably more on evidence here than his um, racism. Yeah, not that there's not racism, but yeah. I mean his his Aryan characters, literally Aryan yep. characters. Um, are you know? He, notice his past lives are all basically, except for the Egyptian uh, Coptic mm-hmm. guy. They're all you know, blonde, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guys. Yeah, with big muscles yeah. and very tall. <laughs> <laughs> very ha- what, what, they call them the the mighty one or something in yeah. Korea, right? Yeah. And and uh, in the Roman uh, Republic, when he's friends with Pontius Pilate or whatever, yeah, <laughs> same, yeah. same story. Right? So Miriam in that section was Mary Magdalene. Am I reading that right? I don't know. It's very. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of um, sort of pseudo biblical uh, mythology going on there. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's. I mean, we don't see Pontius Pilate from that much in the Bible, right? His point of view is pretty <laughs> limited. Yeah. So it's 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 pretty interesting, but I'm not a biblical scholar or a scholar of that era. So no, I don't know. me either. No, I don't know either. Well, Seth, can you say anything about the the French section? Because that's a little more your area, right? Yeah, a little bit. Little. Actually, the the Old Norse stuff is the thing I'm most qualified to talk about. I mean, the, oh really? The, the the French section, though. I mean, I did realize there there are a couple of um, the names he got seem to be names from again going to his. Um, Love of history. There are a couple of chronicles of of the Crusades. Uh, one was written by a guy named De Joinville, and another one was written by a guy named Villehardouin, who is the you know the foppish guy who ends up killing him. Um, right. So Turning him through by accident. I did notice the names, but that was the only thing I really got out of that. Um, I can't even remember what, and I think it's kind of late medieval France. Um, it felt like, but. Yeah, I didn't get any other real takeaways other than other than oh, he's throwing in historical names here, which fits with everything else we've been talking about. Uh, one one other um, note: somebody was uh, one of the reviews was pointing out that this is right before Jack London dies. Yeah, uh, and he was um, taking. Is this one of his last books? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it's his last. I mean, he wrote some other stories, but I think it's his last full full length novel. Um. Somebody was pointing out that he was um, taking a lot of uh, morphine. He actually dies of an overdose of morphine, um, and uh, that the, there's always been a tie between. Um, well, I don't know if there's always been. There has long been a tie between morphine and opiates and uh, astral projection sort of stories. Mm. We've, we did a story by H.P. Lovecraft called Hypnos, which. Which is uh, pretty much like that, and uh, there's there's a uh, 
French poets and stuff. <laughs> well, no, uh, as a preview, was, we're going to talk about Coleridge in a couple of months, right on the ancient right, Mariner, But Kublai Khan right, was um, totally reportedly a, written kind of right? wake up after mm-hmm. an opium dream. dream, a vision, yeah. an opium dream. And uh, uh, the thing is, is I don't think that the that uh, the pleasure domes of Kublai Khan look exactly like they do in the poem. <laughs> in <real laughs> Probably life. not. Yeah, but they're cool. They sure are. They're cool. Um, and I'm not, I don't, I think the strongest thing I've ever taken was codeine and it wasn't very much. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how, uh, how close this is, but I, I would guess there's, there's, you know, there's some sort of relation between, uh, uh, dopey dreams and, you know, s- semi-conscious dreams with, uh, happy thoughts and, uh, cause there, there, people did past life regression was sort of a thing right that people were into mm-hmm. still is still is yeah i guess so i i don't hear about it much anymore i have a Maybe friend that's... who does it here I've never, i haven't had her oh, really? do it with me but I, I i do have a friend who does it so and yeah so what do you think i don't know i'd be up for trying it yeah so would i mm. yeah i i of course, I was Cleopatra, <laughs> as, as as all women were. Right, right, absolutely. But then, but then you're also like the the toady who has to go and you know clean uh, the scullery, Cleopatra's toilet. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you have, you're everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. So why focus? Why why do I why do I always have to focus on the celebrities? Can't I get? <laughs> Can't some, I be a farmer? <laughs> yeah, some spirit Can't spirit carriers. Yeah, it's like our farmer's wife. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's there's something um, about there's this thing confabulation. You guys know about this? It's where you know you've got sort of a a person. You need to ask questions about what they saw hmm. in a you know uh, witness. You know, like if you're if you're having a trial and there's yeah. somebody was a car accident or something. People who are asked to report on what they saw are incredibly subject to bias of what they are expected to say. Mm-hmm. And it's not like saying everybody is exactly equal on this, but mm-hmm. um, if you like have a video camera recording an incident um, and then you ask people what happened and you don't show them the video, but you are just, you know, ask them what they witnessed. Oftentimes they're, their narrative doesn't match reality very closely. Right. Um, the the disconnection between like sometimes they're not even looking in that direction, and yet they are able to witness, you know, provide testimony as to what happened. Yeah. And that is, it's not like they're lying exactly necessarily it's more like they think they were actually witnessing something when in fact they not and uh, and also you uh if you tell them they saw something uh, a lot of the time they'll they'll actually believe that they did like memories that malleable right yeah and it even goes to seth you know you, you were saying as a kid your parents told you you know what you said and i don't have memory of that but yeah. you have a memory of them telling you that yeah right? exactly uh now what actually happened versus what you know your parents say happened yeah i don't know is, yeah you know my mom t- tells me that the first word i ever spoke was my own name <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently we were on a on a ferry going from one place to another and they were really worried about me not being able to speak which is not a problem anymore um, and then <laughs> some stranger comes up and say, Hey, what's your name? And I, Jesse, Jesse, but I don't remember that, but it's a, it's a good story. Sure. And I do remember the good story. Exactly. That, but that confabulation, like, um, it, isn't it interesting that if, if he is living past lives, that he only lives the, the ones of the Aryan males, yeah. basically, yeah. uh, the, with big muscles, right? He doesn't live the ones where he's a surf, uh, and he gets run over by a big horse. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, he he does say um, 
I lived, uh, I, I, I was the mother, I brought up, I was the child, I was the, like, he, he says that he, that he did experience the spectrum, but he's only, he's only choosing to tell us the exciting ones. Like, right, yeah, right. Know, like, why do we, we want to hear when he was, you know, boring? I guess, I guess, and, but the thing is, is not that what people say when they're having past lives as well, right? It's like, um, I, sure, uh, I was Napoleon's butler, but um, it's more cool if I'm Napoleon, right? <laughs> and if, it, but the thing is, is if, if past lives are to make any sense, um, you can't have them shared out, can you? Uh, I mean, not in the way that they, they, you know, you go down to the past life store and you say, hey, uh, I want to, I want to relive some past lives. What, what do you got for me, right? <laughs> it's, it's not like you get to choose. Well, it sounds but a total recall yeah, exactly, right? And that's that's how Total Recall uh, works. You get to choose your your memory that you artificial memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, we're tying it into Philo K. Dick now, aren't we? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm job. surprised I'm the good one who job. did that. <laughs> yeah, good job, Seth. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now it's your turn to make a uh, Tolkien what, what, reference. Well, yeah, that's what you were saying. Um, is uh, every, every episode thing, three things get mentioned, like Lovecraft and. And Dick, and uh, and maybe now Jack London. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was one other thing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I noticed um, when he was uh, when he was first when the, when the warden was threatening to um, tie him up for you know I think he, I don't know how long he was threatening I think he might have been only threatening for a hundred hours and and Daryl said I, I will I will smile at you when I come out of it mm-hmm. and I have faith in myself. And if, if I'm so sure of myself, I have such faith in myself that uh, you have to promise to give tobacco to my um, cellmates. Mm-hmm. And he was like making the, the warden like bleed with anger. He was so <laughs> mad. And, um, and he, kept, he, said, he said, I had faith in the lordship of my mind. And um, I thought that was really cool. Like he was, you know, putting all his faith in his mind. Um, and I wasn't seeing the the biblical references at all until he and then he got to this Jesus story mm-hmm. and he believed it and and he said I was like he was swayed by him and okay. um, and I and I thought that was interesting I thought it was that he 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 gave so much weight to the faith he had in himself and his mind and then at the same time later he also gave the other kind of faith. Yeah, so he's the Jesus up on the cross too. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was the only character he wasn't. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and no, that was that's a good connection. Um, speaking of which, uh, of the tobacco, the one thing that struck me as a little bit funny was um, remember in the sequence where they he he's a, um, a guy on a sinking ship, uh, and he. Puts he on all, all those people's... He wore all those jackets. Yeah, well, that's that's the other, right? He was really constricted, right? Absolutely. Every part of his body, his feet, right? He put on so many pairs of socks that he, yeah. his feet were constricted, his legs were constricted, his arms were constricted. He was totally under squeeze, right? But then he fills his pockets with tobacco as the <laughs> ship is sinking. I thought, yeah. okay, that's a funny thing to fill your pockets with. And then on the um, on the voyage of the the lifeboat, he uh, he um they're apportioning the uh, food out and then he apportions the tobacco out and he resented giving the tobacco to people who were going to die because it was quote unquote wasted yeah I that's strange too yeah how can you see you can waste food right you can yeah. waste food on dying people but can you waste tobacco on dying people as opposed to bequeathing it as a gift your your final gift it was a waste. Uh, they, they took the clothes off of the guys who died, right? You can't get that tobacco back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't yeah, want to. There was another thing. I, I, was, I was waiting for a cannibal story there. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, I think that almost happened, right? Was that, that was, yeah, towards the very end. But, yeah, I was waiting for that um, with, with all those people. Like, with, I was like, why are they throwing them overboard? Where's the cannibal here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that reminded me a little bit of the beginning of um, of uh, the island of Doctor Moreau as well. Um, I don't know if you guys read that, no. but in the island of Doctor Moreau, there's a a lifeboat 
uh, a ship is there's actually a collision between two ships in the South Pacific, and uh, they the main character jumps on board a lifeboat with uh, two other people, uh, just as it is in the end. By the way, uh, another nice match for um, the guys in the dungeon, right? The three guys on the boat mm-hmm. in the end are like the three guys in the dungeon. They, remember the yeah. solidarity they have yeah. on the on the um, little three men lifeboat. In yeah, the three men in a boat um, uh, is, is the solidarity they have. You know, he is he is honored to be in the company of su- such honorable men. Right? And he says the same thing in prison. Exactly about Edmirel and uh, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, um, and that very nice parallel to the you know reading that it's, it's yeah, all yeah. his head sort of thing. Yeah, or or you could. You could look at it as uh, it's all a cycle sort of thing as well. <laughs> it allows multiple readings. But the um, in the island of Dr. Moreau, uh, it's much more sinister. Um, there's three guys in the boat. Um, and then one of them ta- attacks the other after a very similar incident where they are drawing lots. And um, both and both guys end up, uh, both of the non-main characters end up in the water and dead. And uh, um, Eric Rabkin pointed out that um, that story is completely um, <laughs> uh, convenient in that it, it eliminates the, the problem of there was going to be cannibalism. And it says the guys drop like a stone, hmm. right? Um, people don't drop like stones in, in the water, even. Yeah. Yeah. But also, remember the sequence right before the three guys are alone is uh, there's a fourth man with them who's fighting off the guys who want to eat the food. <laughs> and uh, they both are locked together and they they uh, he imagines them sinking down into the ocean, uh, you know, still trying to throttle each other. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's kind of a similar sequence, and um, we do know that uh, London was reading Wells, but I- I'm betting that Wells and London were both reading about these sort of stories of lifeboat survivors that were very popular. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. 